welcome to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. On today's episode, we talk with Major Jimmy McInerney and Master Sergeant Justin Murner, and they are both Tactical Air Control Party members with the 111th Air Support Operations Center, and we learn more about what the Joint Terminal Attack Controllers do, what the Air Support Operations Center does, and how the Air Force is trying to enhance uh, the members' abilities uh, through their new um, weapon systems capability. Uh, enjoy. Washington is earthquake country, so take part in the world's largest earthquake and tsunami drill, the Great Washington Shakeout, 10:17 a.m. October 17th. Get survival and preparedness tips at shakeout.org/washington. Don't limit your emergency kit to rice and beans. Add family favorites and food you want to eat. Invest in ways to cook like butane stoves and portable propane, but don't cook inside. Register and get 2 weeks ready at shakeout.org/washington. Drop, cover, and hold on. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's W-A National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Okay, so today I'm joined by Major Jimmy McInerney. I did it. And uh, Master Sergeant Justin Murner. Oh my God, I can't believe I remembered that. Normally I would totally forget. And you guys are from the 111th ASOS? Yes, that's correct. And that stands for Air Support Operations Squadron? Air Support Operations Center. Center. Well, there. Air Support Operations Squadron, our mission of the 111th is as a Air Support Operations Center. Okay, but I got the acronym yeah. right, so that's exciting. Okay, and you guys are TACPs, so somebody please tell me what that is. Either one of you. Go crazy. So TACP stands for, the acronym itself stands for Tactical Air Control Party. Um, the mission of the TACP varies from an ASOC to the JTAC mission, the Joint Terminal Attack Controller, which is what the, our sister unit, the 116th, does uh, as their primary mission. Um, the TACP itself, we can support any level uh, for the Army as far as forward elements out from the company level all the way up through the division level, which is where you would typically see uh, an ASOC. Um, from conventional forces to special operations forces. We are the airmen basically that go out and talk to the pilots and identify targets for them to drop their bombs on. And then we give them clearance to execute those targets uh, for in support of the Army is, in a nutshell, the basic mission of a TACP. Um, the party itself um, consists of uh, multiple support functions as well. Everybody that is in an ASOS is considered a TACP. The TACP job itself is a one Charlie four uh, career field, but the party is made up of um, AFSCs such as what is an AFSC? It is our uh, like in the army, it's an MOS, so our okay. job identifier. Okay. Uh, so Air like Force our specialty code. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it can be anything from 
uh, we have radio frequency uh, maintainers. So, so our radio maintainers, uh, if our equipment breaks, we have Power Pro uh, HVAC guys that give us power uh, if we're set up in a tent. We have supply personnel. Uh, we have cyber operations and cyber, uh, what was it? Uh, RF trans, cyber trans, uh, vehicle maintenance. Okay. And uh, intelligence. We also have command and control, battlefield management operations specialists, okay. uh, in addition to the TACP officer positions and TACP specialists. Okay. Um, the officer cadre is also pretty diverse. We've got uh, cyber officers as well, as well as uh, rated officers who take the role of a, a rated ALO. So those guys are coming from. What is it? What uh, is that? Uh, air liaison officer. Okay. So uh, my role as a as a TACP officer is to f- fulfill that air liaison function, but I'll remain with the, the TACP career field my entire career. Okay. Uh, guys coming in from the flying community have either been a pilot, a navigator, or air battlefield manager. So they bring a lot of expertise from that specialized aircraft that they came from. Okay. So for example, there's a question from a ground commander on uh, uh, how a, a B-1 operates, or an F-15, or an A-10. Chances are we might have somebody who's familiar uh, been a been a pilot okay. or, or a navigator or one of those platforms that we have in the air force that's really cool so you have like people who understand the capabilities from the inside out basically yeah on the ground we do and so the career field has really shifted uh so when i came in in 2001 the rated alos uh they were the primary officers that we had in the career field um it was actually kind of a stigma um a lot of the pilots uh they had to do a tour outside the jet somewhere and they it was usually okay, go be an instructor pilot somewhere or go be an ALO. And at the time, nobody wanted to be an ALO. It was a ground mission. Pilots don't want to be on the ground. So there was really that stigma. And then, and really the active duty Air Force didn't really know who we are prior to 9-11. Right. Um, there was, it was a, was a TACP. We didn't have, we don't really have a peacetime mission uh, on the active duty side. We do in the guard that we can talk about uh, in a little bit, but the active duty air force didn't know who we were. We were the redheaded stepchildren of the air force. And then nine 11 happened. And that's where we really made our money, uh, going over, deploying, dropping bombs, air force time starts writing articles and you start hearing about JTACs doing amazing things in Afghanistan and then Iraq. And everybody started knowing what TACP were. And then officers rated or not, uh, started, Hey, you know, that's a really cool mission. I want to be in I want to be involved in that. Right. And so we started getting those, but unfortunately for rated officers, they're doing their two-year tour, and then they're going back to the jet. And so we didn't have career officers like combat control and PJs had. We had officers that would come in, do two years, and go go away. So with the development of the 13 Lima career field, we have now have career officers that will be with us forever. And years ago, they, they were starting out as lieutenants, but those officers are now uh, on the active duty side more than anything. The Guard has had it for a while where those officers are now, you know, uh, growing into command positions. Right. And now we have career officers at levels that can affect change big picture for us. For sure. Ultimately provided a continuity of leadership for the community, uh, which was a huge thing. And uh, also with our, our 13 Limas growing in rank and influence, there's there's a seat at the table now right. for, for funding and higher level decision making. So that's also awesome. been a huge benefit for the community. 
Awesome. So my only experience working with JTAX was in a deployed environment. Uh, obviously, like you said, there's not really a, a peacetime mission for the active uh, Air Force guys that, that do at JTAX, but we do here at the Washington National Guard. We do domestic operations, and you guys have some missions set within that. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. Uh, so we support with uh, red card holders for, for firefighting. Uh, we also support a distributed real-time infrared, so this is uh, what we refer to as the dirty mission. Basically, we've got JTACs that are going out doing sensor management with an RC-26 and looking for hot spots in the forest so they can relay that information to the firefighters before something flares up right. and they can go action on it. So it's a lot of the same skill sets that are used in, in, in target development that you would see on the battlefield. That's an easy transition to domestic operations. Um, we also, uh, so in 2015, uh, was the first year when I crossed over into the Guard from active duty. Uh, we were active, uh, the 111 specifically was activated for the bad fire season that we had this year. And so we we're over in the Okanagan uh, area and we were sent out in teams. And so we were controlling uh, landing zones where okay. uh, a lot of the helicopters that were carrying water and all that to the front lines of the fire were so we were controlling those airfields making sure helicopters aren't flying into each other Uh, so we brought that expertise as us being procedural controllers controlling the landing zones uh then we took on a completely different mission set while we were out there where we were driving around looking for structures on the map uh where firefighters so they didn't have to go out and assess structures if they were there still or not so we'd go out Yep, this is supposed to be a structure here. It's no longer here. We had plotted on our GPS, bring that data back to the emergency operations center um, and the incident commander, and then they could just check off areas like, right. okay, we don't have to send our firefighters out to these areas, uh, which was a you know a huge help for them. They could focus on their primary mission, which was the yeah. fire itself. That's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea about that. You call it a dirty line mission? Uh, just a dirty mission. A dirty mission. That just doesn't sound good. <laughs> we have a computer we call the dirty line, and that just means we have regular internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. No, I had I had never heard of that uh, before. Um, I guess what what's been your like favorite experiences uh, within your your job and your mission set? You can talk about like in the your at home one or in maybe a deployed one or whatever experience you have. Go, so go I, I'm a recent cross trainee. Right. Um, so the, the tech P world is, is somewhat new. I was a career intelligence officer okay. prior to separating active duty. And when I separated, I was right about the, the 13 year mark. Um, and it reached the point where I needed to stay in Washington for family reasons. And so it was time to time to punch active duty. Um, while, while I was active duty, I was part of the 10th ASOS at Fort Riley, Kansas, as part of the TACP as an Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance Liaison Officer, or an ISRLO. And that by far was the the most fulfilling intel job that I had in the Air Force. you worked with the big red one? I I did. Okay. I did, yeah. Um, So that was my first uh, foray into the TACP world, and uh, it was by far the, the most rewarding job that I had in the Air Force as a intel officer. And when the decision came for me to leave active duty and still fulfill, you know, my, my Air Force retirement and, right. and stick with it, uh, I wanted to stick with something that I, that I really liked. And it just so happened that there were uh, th- three options here, you know, a group right. and two ASOSs. So um, 
it was a it was an easy decision to try and cross train. Um, the the hard part came with actually doing the cross train. So <laughs> so it was definitely a, a rewarding challenge for me. Right. Um, and I'm definitely happy I did it. So I graduated the schoolhouse in just this January. So I'm okay. still going through the 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 remainder of of the of the pipeline courses. Awesome. Uh, for me, I'm a career tech PE. I've done it for 18 years now. Okay. I actually graduated the schoolhouse four days before September 11th happened. So I got to my first unit in November of 01, and I was in Afghanistan in January of 02 okay. uh, for my first deployment as a brand new A1C. Um, That's favorite... an Airman First Class. Yes, yeah, Airman First Class, yes. Uh, so, I mean, that was one of the reasons I ended up getting out of active duty because in the just short of 14 years, I did 11 deployments, you know, okay. between Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, you know, it's hard to pinpoint uh, any favorite one. Um, every time you go over, it's different. Obviously, right. it's a different mission depending on what unit you're supporting. Um, I went over with the ASOC uh, a couple times as well, which is a different mission set than, you know, the JTAC mission itself. But then, you know, I could go over and I could go with an airborne unit. I could be with a soft team, um, which any of those missions are very fulfilling. Uh, our job, I think one of the best things about our job is, especially as a JTAC, when you do it right, you have that instant gratification that, all right, that bomb hit that target and it is like, I just did my job and I did it well. Um, so you get that instant satisfaction and that you did it. And so there's really, I can't pinpoint an absolute favorite, you know, time over there, or this and that. I mean, every mission is so unique, so different. Every time right. you step outside, uh, the base, you just, you don't know what's going to happen. And so for me, it's all, uh, encompassing in the, in the career itself. And, you know, even the ASOC mission where we're the ones receiving the request, the air request from the forward JTACs, right. you know, our job is to rack and stack. Where does that, where does that request fit in our priorities, you know, and then we're pushing aircraft out. So, but that in itself, you have the big picture of what everything's going on on the battlefield. Right. This JTAC is here. This JTAC is here. All right, we're going to push the aircraft to this JTAC because this mission is more important than that one that's right. going on at this time. So, yeah, it's not the out on the front line shooting shooting guns, dropping bombs, but you get to see the big picture and how what you're doing in our little cell impacts, you know, at a much bigger operational strategic picture on the overall war. Yeah, well, plus in the modern day warfare and tactics too. I mean, getting getting the bombs at the at the right location and the airstrikes have been crucial. I mean, especially within the last couple of years and the way that warfare is changing. Absolutely, uh, especially so as the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan drew down, the the JTACs were no longer on the the front lines. They're actually controlling, you know, from Kandahar Airfield, right. uh, you know, and doing it in support of you know forward Afghani forces. So you know that the technology advancement that we've had that allows us to do our job, and not necessarily being on the front lines all the time, is critical to make sure you know we are putting you know the bombs where they need to be. Right. It's so interesting to me, but like I said, my only experience was we were, uh, when I was in Iraq in 2016, we were doing the advise and assist to the Iraqis. So the same situation of, of making sure that they're not on the front lines, but they have to make sure that all of these airstrikes are going into the right place. And we had a huge crew of JTACs I know up there that were making sure everything went exactly where it needed to go. But yeah, super fascinating. That's been my only experience with it um, so far. But yeah, cool. Uh, what do you what do you guys what do you guys think you where do you see this career field going do you 
do you have any anything else you want to add it's already had a tremendous amount of changes right um you know just since 9-11 we kind of mentioned some of the 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 key pieces of, of just becoming more at the forefront of the, the air force's overall mission set so most of our allocated sorties to the war effort have been close air support missions which is our our bread and butter it's kind of what we do uh in support of the army as well as uh the uh, joint forces air component commander right um recently we've seen some pretty critical changes in their career field as it's moved to a weapon system now or been designated a weapon system uh, since january of 2018 so along with that comes a whole line of equipment and funding um they're starting to treat the the TACP as things that need to be maintained right. or people that need to be maintained. So right. a large part of that has been the human, human performance aspect of it. Um, on the active duty side, the active duty squadrons have started to receive uh, athletic trainers, physical therapists, uh, gym equipment, um, just o- overall key pieces to right. keep the, uh, the, the human aspect of it well-maintained. Right. So, and we're the first career field with a, with a tier two fitness test. So a lot of that has been a, a driving factor to, to meet that need. Um, so, I mean, if, if you recently, we had the, the TACP lightning challenge. Right. And you guys, your team won, right? We did. Yeah. We, had, uh, we won one of the events. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but the fifth ASOS, uh, across the street, the active duty unit right. won the overall okay. event as itself, but uh, as the major is alluding to, they have a full-up human performance program going on right, right now. They have a strength and conditioning coach. Yep. They they have access to a physical therapist, a chiropractor that come over and visit their squadron once a week. They have a full recovery room, you know, with cryo chambers and saunas. I and need to go over there. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and they performed very well. Right. Um, you know, and not all active duty units are completely funded and full-up like that yet. Um and it's different across we're getting there but right. none of the guard units you know have that yet but it, it it takes a lot you know for us to to even field a team when our team is made up of mostly traditional guardsmen right um and we have uh our senior airman who comes off of a, he's a police officer in issaquah and gets off a 12-hour shift the night before the competition right. starts and comes out and competes for the week you know and crushes it amazing um you know it's great to see them out there and it was very uh is very prideful, you know, for the unit to have right. a unit. Um, there's roughly 15, th- 15 ASOSs out there on the guard side, and there was only two guard teams in it, and they were both here, you know, in from Washington. So it was great to see that. Um, and they and they performed very well. They did win an event. Um, uh, Which and event? They won the JTAC event, actually. Okay. Um, so, which is it's pretty cr- good. Crazy in itself. <laughs> they, they were the top JTACs uh, in the whole competition for that event, which is amazing when you think about it from the ASOC perspective. That right. is not our primary mission. Right. Um, ours is the Air Support Operations Center part of it. But for our guys to be able to go out, go into the simulator, get dropped into a middle of a situation, they have no idea what they're getting ready to get dropped into right. scenario-wise, and absolutely crush that event and take home top JTAC award when that is not our primary mission. That is that is an unbelievable you know feat yeah. for them to do. I'm sure that felt really good. <laughs> It was. It was a especially good feeling just to see that you know we did have two guard teams from right. from Washington there competing, and uh, for those guys to come out of their civilian roles and and be able to to be in the competition was pretty awesome. Yeah, I always love when a reserve component team comes in against the active duty and sort of says like 
we're we're just as good as you are just because we're not here all the time it's always like really rewarding for for everyone well and on that aspect to the active duty units you know they we the whole career field knew this uh competition was going to happen right um and the active un- duty units whoever they chose for their teams they could prepare every day you know that right. is that could be their job just preparing for this where our guys are doing their civilian job yeah. every day and then okay hopefully they're training on their own you know but they don't get to train together because yeah. one's a cop and one works for a contracting company so and then they just show up together and just you know to see that teamwork develop uh, right. just on the fly was you know it was awesome to watch yeah that's super cool um great i think we talked about everything did i miss something i think just the the evolution into special warfare okay. designation was a, a, another key piece to the let's talk about it then yeah the the, the weapon system designation the so. weapon system designation and that's like you they're designating the people right Correct. and that's why you're getting these Right, so, so similar to yeah. you have an aircraft, like, exactly. a, like an A-10 that's a weapon system, Right. Um, there would be a maintenance component to that right. to keep it functioning and, yes. and in the air. Um, same thing for, right. for the TACP, it would be a, a maintenance component to that as well. Cool. So yeah, uh, back in the day, like when I first came in, you know, there was no designation for the career field other than we were just TACP, right. um, and then it kind of evolved into the the, the battlefield airman aspect right. of it, where it was us, the PJs, the CCT. Um, yeah, it's sort of been held in a prestigious. It was. Level it was kind of that group, while. and then that yeah. has graduated now to the special warfare community. Um, you know, we have the special warfare center now down in Lackland as well. So. Right. Um, as far as the prep, the pipeline, you know, they, it's a much more robust uh, course that they have to go through. I think it's eight weeks now, I believe. Yeah, they're they're starting kind of a bottom up approach okay. to the, all the special warfare flavors. So you've got PJs, CCTs. Um, I don't know what I mean. I know PJs, PJs is jumpers. Uh, correct, and, uh, and combat controllers. Combat controllers. Okay. And then combat weather, which is now recon. And uh, and then tactical air control party. Okay. So, uh, all those guys that have put in with their recruiter to be some type of special warfare right. flavor are all located together when they go to basic. Okay. And then once they're finished with basic, they go through a battlefield airman prep. Okay. Uh, special course. warfare prep. Special warfare prep now. Because <laughs> uh, so now they're a, special. Th- th- yes. And okay. that, so that's an eight week course where they they kind of look at you know what areas are are guys excelling and right. maybe where they're falling short uh combat control and pj are very uh swimming heavy yeah so whereas tech p is is not very swimming heavy so no, not a lot of swimming no not not a major, a lot of, the majors are rock not a so. lot of bombs being dropped <laughs> in the ocean <laughs> but no uh, part of that so as they're going through this training but the we'll call them athletes you know military athletes basically i mean they are monitored 24 7 uh they're their rooms are kept, you know, at the 66 degrees, you know, which is optimal for sleeping or whatever. Right. They have Tempur-Pedic mattresses. They wear biosensors like 24 seven. Wow. So the instructors know exactly like every day they're like, all right, we put him through this yesterday. How did he recover? Wow. Okay. We can't push him th- this guy specifically this hard today. Um, but how does he respond to it? Right. And, and there, it's constantly monitored. It's like an elite athlete getting it's more of a, yeah. like a, a tactical athlete laboratory. Really. Okay. Um, so, once they once they're finished with that piece and they kind of track into their 
specific special right. warfare flavor. Okay. Um, and proceed on with their pipelines from there. But those guys are kind of starting with that, that yeah. baseline altogether before they, they branch out. I want to go just so I can get all of my like stuff checked. Like how efficient am I at burning lactic acid? I'm really interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, the our technology chief, is crazy. Absolutely. Uh, the, our chief uh, and commander got to go down and see it uh, firsthand. We had their the Special Warfare Center chief. He came out to our guard WebTAC last year and gave us <laughs> – showed us all the results, you know, like how they're watching these kids. Right. Um, and it, it's unbelievable from where we went, you know, we have a lot of guys in the career field now that are my age, you know, like right. upper thirties. And we didn't have that, you know, in the early two thousands, we were just going over doing the job, coming back, trying to maintain our bodies, just doing it. And we have a lot of guy, older, uh, guys in the career field now that are just, you know, they're broken, right. you know, and it's hard. They're still in the career field. They still want to do it, but the support that, uh, that career field is getting now being designated a weapon system, you know, going forward, this is going to help these young 20 year olds, you know, do this right. for 20 years and Stay not, healthy. End, up, not yeah. end at the end of it, you know, being able to, you know, not being able to walk, you know, or something like that. For just, sure. just in the several months that I was at the schoolhouse last summer, new equipment was arriving every day. Right. Uh, and just the, the, the amount of, uh, construction redevelopment they're doing down in Lackland right now to, to, build the the human performance aspect right. of it is has been a huge focus right now that'll be super interesting so, so they're, they're really looking towards the the recovery aspects yeah so how do you you know you, you can push a guy really hard but also how do you facilitate the recovery of that you let them sleep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you go to the fifth a sauce and get in their cryo chamber yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or you get in the cryo chamber. i guess there's ways to speed up recovery um that's cool that's really cool the army's sort of doing a similar thing right now too with the introduction of the acft and then the they're trying to do that same thing where they have big like fitness centers basically that also have nutritionists and physical therapists and all these other aspects available to make everybody feel like yeah you're a supported athlete right because you sort of have to be in most of the jobs within the military so that should that should be really interesting i'll be interested to see how that all works i it's fascinating to me why are there two a sauces here at camp murray in the washington national guard sure so i think when we started we talking about what the TACP is, right. full spectrum of support to uh, the Army from the tactical echelons all the way up. So the uh, the 116th are going to support brigade and below, right. whereas we're more aligned with division. So the the mission set of the 111th were aligned with four divisions, okay. which something kind of crazy to think about that we support. Uh, another way to look at that is like supporting four different two-stars. Yep. So, so we support... Uh, Texas, Minnesota, Kansas, and California. Okay. Out of here. So every year we have a, a training obligation right. on a rotating basis to each one of those divisions uh, in which we do a warfighter exercise. So it's a division-level exercise okay. where we align with one of those divisions and go out and execute um, our advise assist control mission All right. as, a, as an ASOC. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, uh, we also maintain some international partnerships so we have a an informal relationship with the uk asoc okay so this year and last year we've uh done a uk trip to go over and reinforce that and i think they're going to try to send out some folks to our annual training event this year uh, to train with us so cool so 
to kind of piggyback off of that as well. So um, within the guard ASOSs itself, um, Washington is unique in that aspect where we have the ASOC, the, uh, the 111th ASOC, the 116th, and we also have the 194th group here right. as well. Um who control all the West Coast uh, Guard ASOSs. Um, it's the same setup in Illinois, actually, uh, where they also have two ASOSs. They have the ASOC there. In Illinois, they have an ASOS. They all share a building, which is what uh, we'll be doing here in a few years uh, okay. as they're constructing a new uh, building for all the group and the two ASOSs together. Um, but, yeah, uh, as long as well as the UK stuff, you know, the 116th is also doing, and the group itself, uh, we have our state partners with uh, Thailand and Malaysia, and, you know, we're helping the Thais build up their JTAC program. Uh, at the same thing, we we built a five-year training syllabus uh, to where we're basically visiting them two or three times a year, trying to get them to come over here, actually, as right. well, uh, to get into our simulator. Uh, and just to kind of grow it, uh, they're very interested in doing it. They had a kind of a foundation with the uh, with one of the special tactics squadrons mm -hmm. and we're just kind of broadening that and just, you know, facilitating that. So why two ASOSs, you know, like there's really no answer of why, but you know, it's definitely different mission sets. And then outside of the federal job, right. um, missions, then we have these state partner programs that we right. have to maintain as well. I think it makes sense when you break it down that way. I mean, you both have your own mission set and you facilitate different levels of of, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's absolutely just different levels yeah. of command and control. There we you go. Know, um, I was like, from the words. tactical level to the strategic level or the operational level. Uh, right. You know, it's just we cover so it's such a broad spectrum as the major alluded to um, that we can support. Um, and at the one eleventh, you know, yeah, our mission is the ASOC mission, but we do maintain uh, JTACs as well. You know, clearly because so, you guys best won JTACs, you know. the JTACs. <laughs> you guys won, so yeah, that's cool. And uh, looking to the future, why is it important to have JTACs and TACPs when we have this satellite and cyber and every other technology known to man? <laughs> Here. Sure. I mean, the in any training event with a TACP, we always look at the basics, the how to do this the analog way, right? Um, because in a full spectrum combat environment, a lot of your cool toys could be denied, and right? Or don't function properly. Correct. And you know, we're we're starting to have a lot of technological advancements in the TACP world with digital casts, but uh, at the end of the day, guys are very proficient at the the basics right so they're able to do things from analog to digital uh across the, the full spectrum of control i think it's got to be similar to like a field artilleryman right they have all the computers that they can hook up to their piece to help them be more accurate but if those goes down those guys need to be able to do the math which they still teach in order to do everything on paper absolutely to, yeah, like to move the gun i think that's like a good Comparison. That's a good comparison. I mean, there's always a human element, right. element to any job, um, right. especially ours. You know, I don't, I don't know how many times, you know, I've been browbeated by, you know, my army commander, you know, like I want to drop a bomb on this. Well, we can't do that, sir, because right. of X, Y, and Z. You know, it just doesn't make sense right. for us to do this. Um, so there's always that aspect of it. But then we can train all day long with the advancements of like the major set of our technology and this right. and that, but we still also train to basic map and compass, you right. know, can, can our, 
JTAX, can our airmen, can they pull out a map and figure out where they're at on that map without right. a GPS? Because it could be getting jammed, you know, by whatever, in whatever environment that we're in. You know, the technology is just not going to work all the time. So they have to be able to do the basics. For sure. And like in a wartime environment, too, the landscape is going to look every, different every day, right? So when's the last time that the picture was updated for a map or something like that on your digital side versus what you can see with your eyes? Absolutely. For I sure. Awesome. Well, this has been really fun. I know you guys were like, what are the questions? But see, it was super easy. <laughs> we always like to know what we're stepping into. <laughs> it's just a good time here at the Washington National Guard Public Affairs Office, making everybody uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> okay, for the last time, did I forget anything? Tim, you guys, Jimmy, Justin. All right. That's it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you.